പോളണ്ടിൽ എന്ത് സംഭവിച്ചു പോളണ്ടിനെ പറ്റി നീ ഒരക്ഷരം മിണ്ടരുത് We're back with another episode, final episode on urban issues and city life. Um, the big news this week was we got our first episode launched. Yay! It's very exciting. It is. It is. It was it was a moment where I sat there because I'm, I'm moving. I mentioned on Twitter that I'm moving my whole blog over to WordPress. And it's going to be because I'm going to edit down a lot of stuff off the blog before I transfer it. Um. So we just we only built the page for the podcast. And I had that and I had it sitting there and I was like, okay, now it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go. Um but it's done. It's launched. Um and we got feedback. Yes, that was very exciting. Shout out to Nikhil Ramankuti who is the first person to give us feedback. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. And and really lovely and thoughtful um feedback on on the subject um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read the whole the whole thing out if people want to want to i'll put the i'll put a link to the the um the blog that has the first episode of the message but um he, he really thought that mask the masculinity theme was a good one for us to start with and, and commented on the kind of toxic notions you can see For him in Kerala, and I thought it kind of reflects the experience in the West too, how you often have these toxic masculinity alongside messages of how to be um, more progressive as a man. So that was uh, that was really exciting, and that was really nice for us to get. <laughs> Particularly as you know, we sit here the two of us together, and sometimes it probably feels like it's a little bit talking into the void. Yes, it does sometimes feel like that. So, uh, yeah, I was telling you that I saw Pavanji at the Kallarete Shambhu Purushottaman's second feature um, last night to compare it to how his first feature, Vedi Varivada, uh, was. And I saw a lot of similar themes about hypocrisy um, in the family. And uh, but I, 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 I see his direction has improved significantly. Um, absolutely absolutely like the pacing in the first film is really sluggish it's very um, odd it's a very odd film um and i think part of it is like there is in that period of the early 20 teens there was a time when i think um i think uh directors who were part of that new generation wave were really struggling with how do you balance like the west you know sort of the aspirational westernness of the characters with the you know speaking in malayalam um and you know you kind of see the like callbacks to like the like uh wannabe mohanlal characters of the 90s where like you know like he's got girlfriends but then he comes back and is like this like traditional feudal landlord and he's like having to like be this cool like modernized guy in this traditional um milieu and um you know th- there you know i think especially in um um Aram Damuran, there you know there's like these weird english dialogues that like always throw me off um so the, you know there was a little bit of that like that thread in um Vidyavadu where like you can kind of like the the dialogue is very stilted um the acting is very stilted um and and, and the and the pacing is is very stilted and um the act you know the blocking of the actors is very strange too um sometimes you don't think they're like looking at each other like the camera doesn't feel like the actors who are interacting are looking at each other and mm. they deliver their dialogue in this um theatrical style rather than in like a normal um colloquial malayalam style so those are the the weird that's the weirdness of this film Um, but what, do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, I have lots of thoughts about that. Do you want to, do you want to start by giving a little, a little snapshot of what the film's about and particularly the, the festival that 
kind of is at the core of the film. Yeah, um, as I mentioned, from Trivandrum. Um, uh, so Atagal Mangala is like a big deal around February-ish. Um, it's the biggest uh, women's pilgrimage uh, or religious event uh, in the world. Um, it's uh, it's for uh, the Atigal it's for Atigalama, which is like the deity of the temple of the Atigal temple. Um, if you guys have heard the name Kanagi, um, she's uh, she's a Tamil woman. She um, is a famous lover. Um, she fought a king and um, escaped from him. Uh, and she the, the temple is I think believe where um, she ended up escaping to. Um, and becoming sort of this goddess. Um, and so Atigal Pongala is where women will make uh, some sort of uh, um, some sort of sweet um, as prasadam for, uh, for Atigalama to bless and then they'll uh, the same way that all prasadam is given out. Um, you know, you'll, you'll women will come back to their families and give them the blessings from the goddess you know, once the priests have blessed it. Um, it's it's a very, um, like, I, a women in my family have done it. Um, actually, they do it every year. And it's very, um, um, it's very smoky. It's very hot. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely, like, you definitely suffer through it. And the way the media covers it, um, the 24-hour news channels that cover it is is very funny. It's like uh, football commentary. <laughs> it's like now the, the the priests are walking through. There the, there are 500 women in this corner of the uh, street, and uh, now the offering is going into the pots. And so it's very it, the cover uh, the cover media coverage of it is very entertaining. Um, and you kind of get hints of that in this movie. Um, do you want to go over the plot of the movie? Um, it's essentially set against the backdrop of this festival. There are there are actually, I think, four men of importance in the film. One, played by Indrajit, is a stock broker. Um, so one of the part of the story is set in his apartment. And then the, the other three men, Rahul, played by Morley Gopi, Pradeep, played by Srijit Ravi, and Sanjay, played by Sajid Kurup, who are th three men who decide to get together in Rahul's apartment and invite a prostitute. And that's how they're going to spend this day. So there's, the, the two sort of things going on here are how the women are spending their time at this festival, most of the women, there's one who doesn't, um, and how these men are taking advantage of a day without women to engage in sort of behaviors that men sort of what they they feel is typical masculine behaviors behaviors that kind of prove their masculinity behavior that um that you know you on a day for the goddess on the day for a female god uh to to uh spend it engage and especially a hindu female god to engage in alcohol to engage in eating beef uh to engage in um, in paying uh, paying paying a woman for sex, but also degrading her in many ways. To do that on the day for the uh, for a god, uh, a female god, is very very aberrant, and uh, that's kind of the the hypo central hypocrisy of this movie. And I think you know again we, we contrast this the first film to the second film. I think he had a really I think this is this is a director with some really sharp observations and a really good idea of how to put those contrasts together, and it doesn't always work in this film. Unfortunately, there are moments. I'm going to be quite honest here. I saw the film. I bought the DVD as soon as it came out. So what is this, 2013 or so? And the first time through, I I like I just went what. Part of the pro part of the problem I had, quite honestly, is the subtitles are terrible. And if people want to know how I know, sometimes I don't know when sometimes are ter subtitles are terrible. And we had a we had an episode where um, Ashokan's bridal chamber, where the subtitles led me to believe that one of the couples was planning to get married but never did. And you were like, no, 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 they at some point in the film they are married. 
Um, and that's a case where the subtitles are actually good enough that I get most of the understanding, but they don't deliver all the information. This was a case where I went, the subtitles are in English, but what's on the screen doesn't make any sense. So I kept having to pause and sort of reinterpret. And I think I didn't get very much out of the film the first time through. And the second time through, I got a little more. It was the third time through the film that I actually started laughing at spots, that there was enough information given to me that I could reinterpret it all and then really watch what was happening on screen. I still think I, I don't quite, I think there's, there's a bit of a distance. So it was really interesting for me to hear you say that your perception was he'd improved a lot as a director, because by the third time I watched it, I thought, okay, I get what he's trying to do here. And some of my perceptions are bang on. The pacing is really sluggish. The dialogue delivery is really stilted. Like I adore Indrajit and I just like in this film, I like, I didn't want to watch him. It's very forced. I'm very, I was thinking too, why, why is Indrajit of all people like, he's such a good actor. Why am I like, like put off by the way he's acting? And I think it's, and I realized it was just, I think it's how he was asked to act. And um, because even from his movies of that era, he doesn't he he, he isn't like off putting in that way. And it's it's interesting because it can be one of those examples. Well, this this film didn't get I mean, it was the reviews were not good. And one of the questions I asked myself was it was billed as a sex comedy. And I don't think it really is. I don't think it is. Yeah, it involves very frank discussions of sex, but I think it was trying to say a lot more. The The background score too, though, was the background score was closer to sex comedy than it was to the kind of score you would expect from a social satire. And I think with his second film, he really got the social satire and got it nailed. I think there's a lot of social satire going on in this film, but I, I think, I mean, the fact that I it took me three goes through the film to get it. <laughs> but let's but let's think a little bit about what it is saying about men and how men are expected to behave, uh, how they how they look at themselves because there is some of that going on here and how they view the women in their lives because I but particularly two of the women, the the reporter who's covering the events is very capable very astute when she she realizes what her new boss is trying to do the prostitute is also really sharp i, I loved her character i wanted to talk about um the first thing i wanted to talk about was the performance of animal who, who's actually the only actor in the movie that i felt like was hitting the right note for me like, not the off-kilter note everybody else was hitting. I agree. And I think partly it's because every uh, every time I've seen Animal on screen, she is, um, there's, she's very closed off. She has a very closed off screen presen uh, presence, in my opinion. And underneath it, it feels like there's, like, this simmering rage that... Um, because of the context she's in and, and because of the society that she's in is at a point of like extinguishing herself rather than like extinguishing whatever outside force is is troubling her. And I was thinking that like I really want to see her in the kind of roles that I think Manju Varir typically plays, the kind of like woman who is like not afraid to take a knife out at a man um and i'm specifically like obviously thinking of uh Bani in um Ganmadam. and there's you know that like outward focused rage than the kind of like inward focused rage that i think a lot of animals characters have to be fair i haven't seen her in agam which is like probably the biggest uh um uh, central role that she's had but I, I want. She's an actress. I want to see a lot more of on screen, and I want to. I want to like see some uh, like filmmakers tap into that like kind of rage filled persona that I think she has. Well, and there was these little moments with her where, like, right in the beginning, where she's buying the phone card, and we don't know who she is yet. 
and the man is very forward with her like he's, he tries to grab her hand and you, you sort of see like what we would think of as typical typical microaggressions that a lot of women experience we see her with her daughter too she, she she's um she has to go to the daughter's school because there's some concern over the daughter's drawings and she has to take her blue her, her blue crayon away from her so like these are the moments that i wish i mean you can you can see that i said like he's sort of really sharp in his observations and sharp at observing at, at creating characters because there are these little moments dropped in and then you find out that she's the prostitute they've hired for the day or the woman they're paying for the day like you you don't we don't know that at first but we get this really lovely little connection and i wish there were more of that yeah no uh there is a, there's like a lot of choppiness to the editing as well Partly because, you know, it's intercut with these um, scenes from the Bangala, which I think is, um, you know, I think it's more, he's more using like a lot of like B-roll footage. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily tied in with the characters um, necessarily because most of the characters aren't actually like in the Bangala itself. He's, he's really like uh, used footage to sort of give the like energy of the city at that time. And that kind of leads to the choppiness. And I don't know if, what, like, maybe he, if he was more experienced at the time, if he if were a more skilled director, they could have made it uh, woven, uh, woven things in a little more smoothly. But the, the you know, again, I'm making that comparison to Padam Jayata, is where he, I think there's, there's, a, there's a certain, like, uh, back and forth, like, uh, like aspect of it uh, where you know you're focusing on um frenetic thing that's happening and then like the like characters go in the context of that frenetic thing on the other side and and it's done much more smoothly it's done much more smoothly and and his points about the hypocrisy the his uh, fundamental um and especially sexual hypocrisy, I think that, you know, that is what I think they were going at when it, when they're saying this is a sex comedy. It's not like Husbands in Goa. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not. And, uh, you know, what the, he's going at is like, it is a social satire, satire and it's about, um, a lot of it is about uh, sexual mores and it's about what you know what like men will do when they're when they're allowed to get away with it the interesting okay i i did i mention the spoilers we give spoilers i keep meaning to mention that at the top we give spoilers um the interesting thing for me is that um sumitra the woman they they pay for the day i mean she's constantly putting them in their place so to speak and at the end of the film none of the three sleeps with her <laughs> No one ends up having sex in this movie, which I think is the sex comedy aspect of it, because I feel like the, that's typical sex comedies. No one ends up getting sex. Oh, one person does. Oh, yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> the, the annoying neighbor who keeps coming to the door. And even then, I was like, you don't... I mean, he goes into the room and he comes out of the room and his hair's all disheveled. And the music that's chosen for that moment is size Gangnam style. I mean, we are in 2013. <laughs> it was like the, I, I did find some of the choices, the, the choices that are dropped in to show this kind of Western influence, are really interesting. This is this is sort of, um, and part of it becomes that uh, Joseph Indrajit's character is married to a French woman who is not living with him because she doesn't want to live in India. Aline. So we even even that I went there's the really French uh, famous French song called Aline. So I I wondered is that where the name comes from? Who knows? Um, but he's got on the wall there's a there's a, an artwork that's derived from Jean-Pierre Jeunet's Delicatessen. Like there's a a really terrible photoshopped image of Aline in front of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and the woman who visits Joseph that day. Vidya. Vidya, who is uh, is Pradeep's wife. There's this whole... She goes there because Pradeep's mother has insisted that she do... She take part in this festival and she has no, she has no use for it. So she goes to Joseph's house because they're friends. 
But but even before that, she's a French teacher. And when you first see the, the three of them, Joseph, Pradeep, and Vidya, at the beginning of the film, she's leaving wherever she's teaching French. And all these students are coming in to go and watch Jules and Jim, which is a film about a love triangle. So there are some references in here that I go, okay, these are these are neat little references and they, they mean something for some of us. I, again, like this is... The audience for this, from my perspective, is going to be an urban audience. It's going to be a middle class or, you know, more audience. It's going to be, a, you know, a multiplex kind of movie. It's not going to be the kind of thing that we usually talk about. Yeah, I was thinking that there must be something about being a French teacher in movies that that like is really like the indicator that like, she's not like other girls and she's different and that her interests are different but that you know i actually felt like her uh i don't know if my fully dubbed for herself um but i found the french more understandable in this did you um no i thought it was better in the other film we've discussed <laughs> okay, i'm not a fluent speaker but i did actually understand it more than um it was delivered more slowly. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but there's the scene right at the beginning where she's testing a student and the student's pronunciation is better than hers. I do remember not understanding it her at first, being like, what's happening now? But all of these things, like, um, introduced Joseph tries to get her to teach him some phrases in French. And she's like, well, your wife is French. Like, you don't understand anything but it's I mean it's clearly for him it's a seduction tactic so maybe that's why it's it's French in this film because it it does strike me that this kind of infidelity on the part of men and what men believe they can and should get away with is very French in some ways like I've seen these characters in French films like you'll see like the men will get together and, and decide they're going to behave very badly um, and it's and it's okay. Um, so there is a little bit of that, you know, French farce thing going on. Like my my impression is that this is a director that has a lot of um, experience watching international art films. Yeah, Pradeep, Pradeep who complains that he can't, he doesn't want to watch that film because it's an art film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I I agree. This is a. Um, I felt like this movie was directed by someone whose um, eyes are towards a certain parallel film movement, or maybe they're mainstream in Europe, I don't know. Uh, but the certain, uh, you know, a certain kind of movement in France. And yes, I did, uh, I did pick up on the fact that there's this like little French flavoring in this movie, partly because like, again, I don't know much about French culture. I just took French in high school and I've watched a few French movies, but you know, like, I, I was thinking it did call me back to, like, this documentary about Dominique Strauss-Kahn and just how much, like, uh, just the fact that, like, everybody was, like, defending him being, like, uh, he he is a he's a seducer. He's uh, he's he, like he loves women and um, like you can expect like you can expect to, like all the like most of the husbands in this movie to be like to want to distance themselves from that image but also kind of aspire to be that kind of man and Indrajit's character Joseph is probably the one who like leans into that kind of like French masculine ideal yeah because it even says um when they get talking and and, and she's asking well your wife is in France like don't you worry about that and, and he's like no you know the it, it, the the attitude is we're a modern couple. I know her appetites. She won't have affairs. She might have one night stands. And that's okay. That's very French. <laughs> that feel as someone who lived in France for five years, that feels very French to me. Um, that, that, and, you know, we talk about the French paradox in terms of, of why people will eat wine and, 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 and you know, eat steak and eat all this stuff and that they won't gain weight well there's this there's a, like there are paradoxes in behavior throughout french society everywhere like these these ideas clang up against each other and th that feels a little bit like what's going on here for me yeah i see the the kind of like 
tonal um, sort of cognitive dissonance that that you know, a lot of French movies play with. In this movie, I will say that he's uh, he was. I, I this I, I don't know if this episode should become a comparison of Pavan Jayapur Kalarede versus Very Very Vada, but I I will say he's better served by turning his lens back to the rooted Malayalam, like looking at that instead of like the Western focus uh, lens, because the cognitive dissonance feels more real to me because of that. You know the 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 calling out like. Feeling in uh, in Pabam uh, where people are so conscious about fe- about mental illness and like being ashamed of it, but it also um, there's like hints of like child sexual abuse and like why why somebody might uh, end up developing mental illness uh, because of the trauma they've experienced as a child uh, about like keeping you know affairs hidden uh, things like that and so yeah i think he is better served um i think as are most people in the malayalam film industry by by turning their lens homeward and um to a more rooted dynamic and for me i find it really my reaction to both films is actually kind of interesting because you would think i would connect more with a film that does that western outreach and I connected more with the film that looked inward. I do think if we're going to make comparisons, I mean, you already said you can see the difference from film one to film two in his skills as a director. You can see in the first film, you know, you can see what you see in the second film. It's just much executed much better in the second film. So it's it's not like, oh, you know, he did a dreadful film and then he did a brilliant film. It's a, It's path that shows growth as a director and as a storyteller because he wrote both but yeah I did I that was the one I made some notes about that but that that I found it quite I mean for me it was fun to see all those western references but but the second film is much more satisfying and I always feel this way like I feel I find it quite interesting that I feel more connection with some of these stories that are very rooted in the culture even though you would think that that that's more it is more of a learning experience for me there are things I do miss because things like caste and class are not always foremost in my mind and class is expressed differently in different places but yeah so I mean if we're going to make the comparison it's I think it's simply for that we think there's there are some there are some perceptions of value in the film we're discussing today and it's good to see a director and a writer who can grow. And I think part of, uh, like, we get hints of that sort of rootedness when when we see the 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 Tamil Brahmin family, um, the husband who's playing cards and his wife who's like super casteist, but like on the day of the festival, she's okay letting like uh, all sorts of women come in to her home. Like you can see the face she kind of makes as like all these women walk in, but like she's like, you know, she's forcing herself to be tolerant on that day. And we get a lot of those, like people are changing their behavior on this day because uh, of its specialness. And, you know, we hear about the Gunda, who's a rapist, who's like serving up refreshments for the uh, women devotees. So there's a lot of like, I I think probably my favorite parts of this movie are the ones with Anumal and, and, uh, you know, when we're here with the Swami and, you know, his his castist wife. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that really kind of there is. It's quite interesting because the wife and um, um, Radhika, yeah, and the, the two of them are seen. Like you were talking about the, the 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 scenes interspersed. There is a moment where you see the two of them. It took me to the third viewing to see it, and I went, oh, because most of the time you see them inside the house, and you know they're talking about how it's so hot outside and they've come in to get away from the heat for a little bit but then I realized that we do see in some of that footage we do we do see them I thought I actually the 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 points where I found that footage was really well used was when you know the three men are watching it in the apartment and it's most it's it's mostly just so they can keep track of time and so they can annoy the 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 dude whose wife is the reporter in all of this 
like again like there are these little moments that really work and there's so much that doesn't yeah um i actually i mean there's a as i said it's not smoothly cut together and edited but i did find the the images of the pangala really really beautiful to watch um just aesthetically and, and you know the 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 throng of people the heat coming off those visuals was was like I thought that was effective to convey the mood. And I don't know if that's just because like I have been near the Pongala when it was happening was like I found it very resonant for me. Um the songs throughout like even before the actual Pongala starts um the you know all in the background you constantly hear these bhagavati songs like uh praising the goddess and and the film is like immersed in that sound uh of this uh goddess worship songs so that was i found really effective and and you see those moments of brilliance in the direction here yeah and and i think that's why the the back the rest of the background score ended up so disappointing for me because I thought, well, there was a moment to really make more of a contrast using using that. The only thing I, I was I was scratching my head thinking about this, trying to think if there's anything that I could compare this to. And, the, and surprisingly, we're recording on the Easter weekend. We don't get it so much of it here in North America, but things like on Italian television will cover Easter um, things like that. You'll have you know, the Stations of the Cross through Rome, um, and that will get covered live on television that's the closest i can think to it so we we really don't have that kind of coverage of any kind of festival any comparable coverage of any kind of festival like that probably in north america because there are just so many religions and so many cultures that it just it doesn't it's not it wouldn't be as central and therefore not there wouldn't be much of an imperative for a 24-hour news channel to cover it I think it's also, um, I will say this, living in Bombay, like every festival was out on the streets, like uh, Ganesha's Dhoti, like Diwali, like everything is out on the streets. Kerala society is a lot more like private and, and a lot more, um, like a lot less like exuberant in its, I mean, um, Bombay specifically has the culture of uh, having festivals out on the street as a as a remnant of colonialism like it was one of the ways in which they could annoy the british was like by having their festivals out on the streets and so typically um malayalis don't have their festivals out on the streets they have them in like certain locations specifically intended for that and so um i think this this uh, the atagapangala is a little bit special in that way because it's it's genuinely like overwhelming and it's like out on the streets i think uh the shabrimala like pilgrims you see them all the time on the street but they're usually like walking to a destination they're not like they're not like out on the streets like having a party <laughs> so i think that there's a there's a certain societal aspect of the pongala and that as shown in this movie yeah i think i think this there were some really good ideas here that just didn't mesh unfortunately yeah, and I think uh, you know the the, uh, the particularly the the thing being uh, the festival being out on the streets and all the women going to it, which is uh, like a turnaround of the idea that like women belong home, men are out in the world. So what happens when men are in the home by themselves is is an interesting idea, and um, and like visually, it's uh, the theme of the Bengal is like very interesting in that way that like it's a time for women to occupy the streets. It's a time for women to occupy the outside world. And then, like the domestic sphere becomes um, become men's. Yeah, and even well, not with Joseph. You know, she is cooking for him, but the three men amongst themselves have to arrange for their own food. Although it's you know beef fry and whiskey. Her, she she's just making the. Oh, you're right. You're right. The goddess. She is the one like making steak for her. You're right. Again, she is not observing this festival at all. She's eating beef, like, she doesn't care. Yep. She's drinking wine, she's smoking cigarettes. She's dancing. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the idea of taboos is being crossed is happening, like, on every every level in this movie. I don't know if I have very many more thoughts about this movie. Oh, I do have to say, once again, Shambhu Purushottaman has a man who is known for uh, uh, abusing teenagers 
in this movie, Shiji Therapy. So I don't actually recommend anybody watch this movie because every time that guy comes on screen, my stomach turns. He he plays like a like a lecherous man in this movie, and he plays like a bad husband. But I remember hearing like see, well, reading an interview with Animal being like talking about filming this movie, and she said she was just in this flat with these men for most of the shooting. And like none of them were very nice to her. That like, that none of them like really went out of their way to like you know be friendly to her. And that they kind of treated her the way that they were treating the like prostitute, just like putting her in a room and like not being very nice to her and treating her like an object. And maybe that's just like how I read that interview because this is even before I learned about like how she's either be um, was pu- caught publicly masturbating uh, in front of schoolgirls but this is like this is how she was treated by the this cast of men and that that always leaves like a bad taste in my mouth when i hear actresses report that yeah you see i've gone silent it's like darn i have to strike another one off the list oh you you didn't know that about she she did oh he is he's not a good dude um, I think of all these, all the men in this movie, obviously, other than Indrajit, the one I like as an actor is um, Sanjay, the actor who plays Sanjay. Um, Saiju Kurup. Yeah. Yeah, I like him too. I find him like a very enjoyable, like light presence on screen. And and yeah, um, I, I don't, I never particularly like Murli Gobi as an actor. I think um, he's putting on a certain amount of gravitas that like isn't warranted in most of the roles he's doing. Yeah, and I, this is how I feel about him. And, and and when I can't remember which film it was, but my comment on Twitter was sort of like I'm not he was writing it and I was of two minds because I said sometimes he turns out s- films that are really well written and sometimes there are a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know what I mean. And I think, yeah, he does have this persona of someone who's trying to be very intellectual and, I mean, probably is on some level, but he sort of wears it out there like a costume and it can sink his work at times. Yes, I agree. Um, th- I think that's where I keep thinking, like, poser wannabe. <laughs> <laughs> him in left right left because i think that was one of the ones where he actually like his unnecessary gravitas was actually a little bit called for as like the old-time marxist yeah i agree and i think that's i mean he wrote that as well so i think that's one of the you know one of his writings that i do i did enjoy but i'm always like everybody gets really excited and i'm like i'm gonna wait because it's it's either going to be good or it's going to be lots of words i think he it's weird but he does have fanboys and i can never tell if it's because he's like you know part of that trivandrum crew with like prithviraj or if it's like people actually like his work for what it is well and there's a there's i mean at some point i think we're going to talk about children of and you know he does have a father who was very, very respected for his acting. And there's a legacy there that I think sometimes must be hard to live up to when you're the child of. Yeah, I agree. Especially because his, I, I believe his father was a considered a theater artist and, and someone very like respected in that kind of alternative cinema realm and, and theatrical realm in Kerala. And I think maybe that unnecessary gravitas is, is a result of being from that like super serious social class yeah i think that's all we have to say on whirly gopi for now do you want to talk about a little news before we go yeah sure go ahead we start <laughs> trashing uh well the reason i the reason i uh i i, I think i thought of it as a segue was because <laughs> one of the first things i plunked into our notes about news was um baros uh-huh. Mohanlal's directorial debut. I really I really want the Mohanlal fanboys to come for me, don't I? But... With like a target. <laughs> Actually this I mean it makes me so sad to be thinking this way. Somebody posted a meme this week and it was I can't remember exactly the meme and it would be it would be like me trying to tell a joke and not remembering the punchline. Um, but it was like the first set of pictures were, were 
Mohanlal from classic films, you know, the 80s and the early 90s, and these classic roles with these gorgeous expressions on his face. And the second was a set of pictures from like the last year with his face frozen. And so the implication was we took gold and turned it to lead. You know, there's been some interesting, um, on the, I think the, it's been on the Malayalam movie subreddit, there's been some interesting discussion about about plastic surgery, or not necessarily plastic surgery, but like cosmetic, uh, like dermatolo- dermatological work. And um, I think they were specifically t- uh, talking about like this new picture of Manjubair that's been out there. And, and like what the place uh, it, of it is in cinema, especially for a cinema that's like really prides itself on having actors with like a lot of range and and how you subtly balance that with like obviously the aesthetic needs of, of being a visual art form. Um, and so th- th- I think there's been some interesting discussion online about it and how we let men get away with a lot more than women but that like when it gets to like the Mohanla level right now um you, you know like now I see like Mohanla getting a lot of heat for it in a way that I I am really surprised by but you know and I was I was like completely oblivious except I was going what's going on I couldn't and then I think it was you that mentioned that he had supposed supposedly had the Botox treatments and I went oh I get it now and you know, I understand. Um, I mean, I've I've seen this too when people talk about the three cons and how they they don't allow themselves to grow into these older roles. And I and I get and you see that in in so many industries. And I get when you're when you're part of your public persona is based on your image and your public image is sort of cemented when you're in your late 20s and your 30s. There's a Korean actor called Jang Huk who does a lot of very um, physical, his roles have a lot of physicality and he does a lot of work and he said that because my acting is very physical, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this. So I have to, I have to cash in on it now. And for some, I, I can see when, and particularly when you set up people for hero worship, and you build this larger than life image of them and you don't allow them like it, it works in both ways you you do your best work in your 20s and 30s and that's what people hang on to and that's what people want from you so how do you navigate getting older i think malayalam cinema ha- is a place where that could happen better i think when you when you do have you know mohanlal and mamuti who are you can i cannot argue that they are great actors and what I often say about some of the heroes in other industries is they're not actors, they're performers, they're heroes. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think that makes it much harder for them to grow older, to be allowed to take on older, more mature roles. I just find it incredibly frustrating. And I'm from outside the culture, and I find it incredibly frustrating to see Mohanal, who I know is a terrific actor, to see this happening. And yet again, I've said this before, you know, I'm the same vintage as Mohanlal. Mm-hmm. I, I get frustrated by my limitations at my age. So someone whose whole public image is formed on, you know, formed in his 30s, that must be a huge mind. So yeah, that's, that was, and I, I sort of like, you know, your comment that Anthony Perimbofer will, will throw money at anything Mohanlal wants to do. And, and, you know, because it will make money. But I did note that I was feeling sort of curmudgeonly about about them pitching this as a children's film. Um, I'm in a, I'm a former teacher and a teacher librarian, and I have seen this happen where something is aimed at adults and then suddenly it doesn't work, and the argument is, oh no no, it's meant for children. Like no, you don't create something crappy and just say, well you don't understand it because it's for children. So I'm really hoping this is not what's going to happen here, but... I hope that we keep having these discussions about aging and what it means to age gracefully. Because I don't, for me, I don't believe that that just means not getting any work done. Everybody deserves a little bit of filler. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, it's a visual medium and the cameras are and are just getting more better. And, you know, I think it takes a lot of courage and certainly a certain amount of narcissism to be on screen being like, I want to see my face yep. on here. And, um, and 
you know, you don't want, you want to try to look your best. So I, I, I can't fault Mohanlal for it um, or any other actor. But then, you know, I hope whoever, like, I think the problem is sometimes when you have too much money, you can't, you don't know where, where to draw the line. If you had less, if all these actors had less resources, I think they would use it in a better way to, and like their doctors would tell them, hey, you know, beyond this, maybe fillers would look you, make you look like a freak. Yeah, I think I think fundamentally we both agree that it's you you can't complain when someone's livelihood depends on their image that they don't want to maintain and improve their image as much as they can. But yeah, there's a line. The the, the interesting thing that that kind of sparked I was reading a, um, a piece about this this film that he's going to be directing was the news that uh, Rafael Amargo is going to play Vasco da Gama in the film, and I went oh. Because, you know, in our in our uh, Me Too age, maybe you don't want to hire, um, I mean, he's fairly famous in Spain as a um, dancer and choreographer, but he's also been, you know, arrested in, for drug trafficking and his career in Spain is now dead. So Interesting. Yeah. So I guess he needs work and that's why he's doing this, but maybe not hire someone who's involved in alleged, I guess I should say allegedly, and because I just saw arrested and I, it was the end of 2020. So maybe you know, things have progressed, but it's, yeah. Um, oh gosh. Okay. So I, I was thinking that like, there's like only a certain number of white actors in the Indian film industry. Like it's Kenny, yeah. Alex O'Neill, like who else, who else is going to play Vasco da Gama? Um, I guess they could like go recruit a new Portuguese or Spanish like actor instead of like hiring a famous one because it's not like this guy's flamenco like talents is known and like gonna attract an audience in Kerala um, so might as well go hire an unknown. The other thing I actually really wanted to talk about was the great Indian kitchen and what happened this week um, because it ended up on Amazon Prime finally because it, it was a film that was shopped around to the big streaming services. Netflix turned it down. Amazon Prime turned it down. And Neestream, which is a fairly new service, picked it up. And the first weekend that they had it on their service, I think it strained their service to the limits. God, good job. Like, like you'd love to see it. Uh, you'd love to see when uh, small films make it big like this. Well, and I think the attention it got, you know, and people are people are saying it's, you know, going to be the best film of 2020. I mean, that may be a little bit of hyperbole around the marketing of it, but by all, you know, stretches of the imagination, it's supposed to be an excellent, I haven't seen it yet because I just haven't had the energy to deal with Neestream, which is unfortunate for them. Um, but I did wonder about their, their place in all of this and what it means for them, because we've talked before about um, Real Monk, which was um, a very early attempt at getting um, a Malayalam streaming service going. They probably tried too early, unfortunately, but at the time it was a really exciting idea. And I had, I had um, rented several films from them to watch um, because the, it was, they only had the access anywhere. And this is, this is what Neestream is starting to do. The reason I didn't run out and sign up for Neestream is most of their content is aimed at Malayalis and the diaspora. So there's almost nothing that has subtitles. They picked up The Great Indian Kitchen, which had subtitles. They've picked up another couple of little films that haven't, that didn't get much traction anywhere, and they're offering them with subtitles. They picked up um, the web series Instagramum, which nobody would touch. And I was excited about that because I had seen the trailer several times and um, and the trailer had subtitles, but it came to Neestream without subtitles, which I think is a shame. Um, but we don't see a lot of the bigger services picking up, you know, particularly series, and they they tend to overlook some of the really good little films that, that you know, so I'm, I, but I am wondering, you know, what does this mean for Neestream if, they they obviously probably did really well taking the Great Indian Kitchen on, but will it remain on their service now that Amazon Prime has it? Will they lose the opportunity to pick up those kinds of things that get them a broader audience? Um, I don't have answers to that, but I think it's a, it was for me it was an interesting question to think about. 
And I hope, uh, you know, well, it seems like Mainstream has good good instincts on uh, on uh, content, and I hope, you know, whoever's buying their content continues to have those good instincts and they retain that person. Mainstream, please put subtitles on your stuff. There are, you know, we're, we're doing the hard work here trying to attract Malayalis and non-Malayalis to your content. Just this week, you know, in the past week, I've had multiple friends who uh, have never seen a Malayalam cinema uh, tell me they watch, they've been watching Malayalam movies online because they've been available in the streaming services um, and because they have subtitles there. A couple of them mentioned specifically watching Thrishim 2, and I think that makes sense because they crossed in that movie, crossed the first movie crossed into so many industries. But, you know, this is, I mean, Malayalam cinema is never going to have a huge market, but there's clearly like interest there. So, in these stream, put subtitles on yourself. Yes. Oh, I <laughs> I need them. I'm I'm very biased about this. Like I would sign I would subscribe to their service in a heartbeat if half the subtitles were or half the content was subtitled. You know, I I have Eros now, I have Hotstar. Hotstar has a lot of subtitles. Eros now can be hit and miss on subtitles, particularly for older films. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the service, but they do, they have Tamil, Telugu, and Malayalam films, and they have, they have subtitles for a lot of their content. Um, Simply South. Okay. And they're another one. They're, they were around for a while. They got sold out to Yup TV. Then Yup TV did some weird stuff, and everything was gone, and then suddenly Simply South was back again. And um, I, I find them a good source for some, for some content. I mean, the, the, the main problem is to get access to the kind of films I want to watch, which is a lot, I have to have four or five different services. Things are improving on Netflix and Amazon Prime, but there are so many times where I go to recommend a film and people will say, well, where is it? And I will be like, oh, hot star. <laughs> it's not, you know, for, for those of us who are really into Indian cinema, we'll probably have a hot star, you know. Although I still, I don't get access to a lot of the content that's available in India, which is a lot of the really hardcore classic films. Hotstar doesn't, in Canada, doesn't, doesn't do that. I get, so I think that's, that covers a lot this, this week. Today was fun. So let's point people at some places where we are now because we have places. The website link is a bit too long, but I'll put that in, in notes and it'll be links on Twitter and that. We now have Polandini Patti at, um, Twitter mm-hmm. and at K Matthews for me because I tweet everything under the sun from that account and you have a Twitter account sort of devoted to this as well. Yeah, I did. Um, I am at NH Poland, but I might change that handle because I just decided to pick something. Thank you for like the two people who followed me <laughs> since this podcast came out. Appreciate your support. We're new and it's a slow burn. We'll get there. And you can email us at uh, at gmail.com. Super. And I hope we get some more feedback because that made us feel really nice this week. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Poland and Empathy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, remember to come back for our next episode and share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at polandinapati at gmail.com or reach out to us on our Twitter feed at polandinapati. See you next time.